0: As parents, favoritism towards a child is always a mistake. Now, today we're going to discover where that mistake ends up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemberton. I'm Jen. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible. This is exciting for our 34th time. Genesis to Revelation. We're going to study it. Genesis 37 in about three minutes. So stay there. It's coming. About 15 minutes. Corey and Ryan are coming. Corey.
1: All right, I'm gonna be taking a closer look at the legacy and the death of the matriarch, Rachel. Right?
2: Well, today I'm joined by Christian astronomer, Spike Pissaris, to talk a little bit about our solar system.
0: Ed, Spike was an awesome guy, excellent guy. Okay, Janice?
3: All right, well, today it's our Friday wrap-up question of the week. I will ask a question from anywhere, Genesis 18 through 37. I hope you're ready. Genesis 37, 1-11 Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Genesis chapter 37, verses one through 11.
0: I love dreams. I remember I used to have dreams thinking, what in the world did I have for dinner? Dreams are fascinating when you begin to study them. In Genesis, we've been looking at the beginning of things. We've seen sin, we've seen murder, we've seen all of these beginnings. But today we talk about dreams in Genesis chapter 37. Through the Bible, we see that dreams can also be given by God as a way of communication. Exemplified in the story of Joseph. Now, this young son of Jacob revealed to his older brothers that God had given him dreams of his future success over them. Now, revealing this was ill-advised and unwise, adding fuel to the fire of resentment that already had been burning in his brother's hearts because of Jacob's public favor and love for Joseph over his older brothers. Joseph's assertions of God's blessing on him over and above the other brothers, lacked context. It strikes me that we also can do this with the messages of the Bible. Present them out of context and you've got a problem. Context and setting are vital because they determine the meaning of the message. Without context, we can make a Bible passage mean just about anything we want it to mean. But as God's ambassadors in this world, we must properly represent him and his word. Let's allow God's spirit to teach and to guide us in our words and our actions, what we do. Now that's important, isn't it? And today I can't think of a better day than to say, let's put everything in context. Let's make sure that we don't misunderstand what God is saying. I've seen the words of Jesus Christ grossly taken out of context, it becomes a problem. Well, if you have your Bible guides, turn to it, to today's passage, as we look at Genesis chapter 37, this is absolutely amazing. And uh, and as we do so, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write us and get one, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryGuide.com, BibleDiscoveryGuide.com, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, Click on the Bible guide. It takes you to a place where you can give a donation. Thank you for your donations and download it uh, exactly how we have printed it. Very, very interesting. Today, as we do this, let's pray. Father, help us to receive the word of God in context. Help us to see what you're telling us because every day you have a message from the Bible. So teach us your way and show us your paths in this most important book of all. And we all said together, amen, Lord, make it so. So with that in mind, we go to Genesis chapter 37. It begins like this. Listen carefully. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him, more than all his brothers, well, they hated Joseph and they could not speak peaceably to him. Now, let me be honest with you here. As parents, favoritism towards one child over the other is always a mistake. The tribes of Israel were born and raised with a lot of baggage. I want to tell you, it really is true. Uh, The tribes of Israel were not raised in any kind of perfect situation. Uh, They were pretty raised in a pretty rough scenario. In fact, Jacob himself comes into a rough situation when God names him Israel. It's a very, very difficult thing. Now with, with parenting, God gives us all our children. We love them equally, all of them. They're all different spirits and they're all different people, but we love them all individually. It's very important to remember that. Well, we go on to the scripture and it says this. This is really, really important. It says... Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall we indeed Or shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him, hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, this is important. Joseph's dreams were true, but they were out of context. You see, God gives us truth in our lives, but it's not always to broadcast it to the immediate world. It is for us. Listen, let me tell you, I can't tell you how important this is. God gives us truth, but you know, our job is to broadcast to the world. No, that's not our job. Our job is to listen to the truth, to hear what God says to us and say, Lord, I hear you and I need to to apply this to my life. Now, there's some things that we should, but the only thing that we should broadcast to the world, according to Matthew 28, is simple, that God saved my life and he's done amazing things. That's all. God doesn't say we have to broadcast truth. Now, there are times in our testimony when we can appropriately. And that's a big part of the Holy Spirit in our life. Helping us to become appropriate to what other people see. It's not about, you know, free speech all the time. It's about appropriate speech. Very important. We've lost that today. Anyway, let's go back to the scripture. He then says, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Wow. He's got the heavens bowing down to him. So he told it to his father and his brothers And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now that brings me to the third point. The hate for Joseph was intensified because he had a big mouth. (laughs) God helps us and teaches us with trials and troubles in all of our life. Let me just say this. It's really important. As we focus on this, nine times out of 10, our mouth is big. Nine times out of 10, we always say things we shouldn't say. Nine times out of 10, we do things we shouldn't do. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God, his Bible, to train our mouth, to train us. And this is what we're going to see over the next few days here. We're going to see Joseph becoming trained in how to speak correctly, in what to reveal and what to say. This is very important. And so let's pray today. Father, help us to be the right kind of messaging to the friends and the family around us. Because Lord, sometimes there's just things we shouldn't say, but we should just live and do. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen.
2: Now, from a biblical perspective, why do you think God made humans and apes look similar?
4: Well, the same thing, same reason I think that there are similarities right through all living things and that is we see a continuum, if you like, which speaks to us of one creator. If we're entirely different to every living, other living thing on earth, we have entirely different chemistry, entirely different everything, then we might think there's different creators.
2: All right, so for the past three days, I've been showing you parts of my hour long interview with Christian UFO researcher Gary Bates, which is available to you. On this set called a world by design 3 and we talked about some of the problems with the extraterrestrial hypothesis which is the idea that ufos are spacecrafts piloted by alien beings and today i'm bringing on another gentleman an astronomer by the name of spike pisaris to sort of carry on this theme because even though astronomers have searched desperately for life on other planets to date they haven't found any and just focusing on our own solar system today, some of us might be wondering, well, if there's no life on these other planets, then what are their purpose? Well, that's the question that I ask Spike. We know that there's no life in our own solar system. Right. I mean, I know there's always claims about this and that, but right. generally, no, Earth is the planet that has life and that, that's consistent with what we read in the Bible. Um, but what what do the other planets, what purpose do you think that they serve if there's no life on them?
4: Uh, several, I think. Um, some of them support life on Earth directly. Hmm. Like Jupiter, for example, is massive, much larger than the Earth, has a much larger gravitational field as a result, and has been shown to protect the Earth from objects coming in from outside the solar system that otherwise would have hit the Earth. I mean, we've seen comets get pulled into Jupiter and actually hit the planet. Hmm. Um, We've observed this a lot of times, actually. And so people have argued that without Jupiter, the Earth would be potentially subjected to a lot more impacts from things coming in from space. So some of the planets are protective of the Earth in that regard. Uh, I think a lot of the planets provide perspective on just on beauty, God's ability as an artist. I mean, some of these objects are, are just wondrous. And we take closer and closer pictures of like Jupiter and Saturn. We see these beautiful, intricate, swirling cloud patterns and all those things. Saturn's rings, I mean there's a lot of beauty even within the solar system. I'd also argue too that they are there at least partially to provide perspective on how wonderful the Earth is and how well designed it is to support life. Because if if we were on a planet with no, nothing else in the solar system, it's just us and the sun, we would tend to assume that however the planet got here is just the way planets are supposed to be, right? We wouldn't consider its characteristics uh, really. But you can look at the Earth's rotation period, its period, its axial tilt, its orbit around the Sun, and a lot of other characteristics that it has as a planet, and realize that not only are these things finely tuned and in a very narrow margin of error to support life on Earth, by seeing other planets and how extreme some of these parameters could have been in either direction, it gives us better perspective. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, our day is 24 hours long. And we take that for granted. I mean, you know, did you wake up this morning thanking the Lord that the day is 24 hours long? Probably not, I mean, no one does. But, you know, 24 hours to rotate around our axis once, we just don't think about it. But it turns out that's a really good value to have a life-supporting planet as it's for, for its rotation period. Because if it rotated more quickly, we'd have more destructive winds on the surface. If it rotated more slowly, then any given point on the surface would be exposed to the sun for longer and get hotter and then away from the sun on the night side for longer and get much colder, so you'd have much more pronounced temperature swings. Mm-hmm. And back to your question, just within our solar system, we can see different values for this to give us perspective on how ideal ours happens to be. Jupiter rotates all the way around once in just 10 hours. This huge object wow. where one spot on its surface is a storm greater than the entire Earth. I mean, Jupiter's a massive planet. Screaming around it just t- you know, t- all the way around in just 10 hours, And the opposite extreme is Venus, which rotates upside down, by the way. (laughs) It (laughs) rotates backwards, Uh, but it takes 243 days to rotate all the way around once, 243 Earth days. So imagine if our day was 243 days long. So your spot on the Earth would be exposed to the sun continually for 120 days straight, and then on the night side, freezing for 120 days straight. I mean, would life be possible? No. So I think that's one of the purposes of the solar system as well, just to give us perspective and see how amazingly well-designed the Earth is to support life on Earth. Spike
2: will be back on Monday's program to talk about the Big Bang Theory, and I'll be asking him if he thinks that that was God's method of creation. So make sure to be back on Monday for that. And remember, all these interviews I've been showing you in January are available on this video set called The World by Design 3 available as a DVD set or a digital download from our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Also, I would encourage you to check out Spike's website at CreationAstronomy.com. And he's also got an amazing three-part video set called What You're Not Being Told About Astronomy. You can buy that set directly from his website, and it's also available at creation.com.
0: You know, Spike was, is an excellent guy. And, oh yeah, uh, he is. When we met him, he has a, a there's a mission thing going on in the Philippine Islands. It's just really interesting. But I really loved his his presentation, so I would encourage the people that uh, you can't go wrong, because he's a bit of an editor, too. He's a, a great creative guy. Very good. All right, Corey.
1: All right. Well, today I'm going to be taking a closer look at the life and the legacy and the death of the matriarch Rachel, as well as taking a look at the site that is still today venerated as her tomb. Take a look. The history of the Jewish patriarchs and matriarchs is recorded in the biblical book of Genesis. While fraught with questionable actions and moral failures, the Bible presents the lives of these nation founders as the beginning of God's amazing plan for salvation. Some biblical sites directly associated with the personal lives of these patriarchs are still known to us today, nearly 4,000 years later. Amongst them is the unusual tomb of Rachel, the second but beloved wife of Jacob and mother to Joseph and Benjamin. Genesis 29 to 35 tell Rachel's story, her marriage to Jacob, her war with her sister Leah for cultural supremacy in their household, the stealing of her father's family idols, and her death on the way to Bethlehem from complications and childbirth. This is a tragic account of a woman loved, but plagued by cultural expectations that haunted her in her barrenness. As she was beginning to overcome them, she died, cut off too soon to enjoy her victory. The biblical authors record specifically that instead of inter her in the family tomb of his grandfather, Abraham, Rachel's husband Jacob instead buried her where they were, along the path of the road to Bethlehem. He's said to have set up a marker on her grave where it was still standing hundreds of years later at the time of the writing of Genesis. About a thousand years after her death, the prophet Jeremiah used the matriarch Rachel in his prophecy about the destruction of Judah and Jerusalem by the Babylonians. He pictures her as weeping over the deportation of her people. When God replies that he hasn't truly abandoned them, he would bring them back from exile in his time. Matthew uses this image again in his gospel in reference to a slaughter ordered by Herod the Great. The traditional location of Rachel's tomb is today kept as a place to honour this mother of three tribes of Israel. In the Byzantine period, an open dome structure was placed over the tomb, both to honour it and serve as shelter from the elements. It was further renovated in 1841 by closing up the dome structure and adding a receiving room. Today, it's protected by strong modern walls and guard towers that surround the original structure. So there we have it, a little bit of a closer look at Rachel and her legacy.
0: Very interesting, now, this is important. You and your husband do an outstanding program. I enjoy watching it. It is awesome. You do it on <laughs> the internet. Yes. And so on YouTube specifically. On YouTube specifically. Yeah. Tell us about the program. It's coming up this weekend.
1: Okay. Yeah. So the idea behind the program is just that it's Bible discovery on the weekend. So it's a lot more casual. It's me and my husband Matt Locke, and we uh, talk about big issues that pop up as we're reading through the Scripture. We we stick with what we have read through Monday to Sunday that week. Uh, we release the shows, the episodes on Fridays that you have all weekends to watch it, just depending on when it fits best into your weekend schedule. Uh, but we also go through viewer comments and viewer questions that you can send to us at hello at BibleDiscoveryTV.com or my email address that we both check, which is Corey at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Or of course, you can always just go in the comment section of one of our videos on YouTube and comment there too, because we personally go through all the comments and, and uh, some, whenever we have a chance to respond, we do. Some of those questions end up uh, in the weekend program itself, so it's it's a fun, fun, nice, relaxing time.
0: But it's um, not just on YouTube; it's on Spotify because our yes. podcasts go out, and I see it on our podcast as well, um, as well as Beyond the Call, a program we do. But the, it's a great program, and uh, you cover a lot of things. and, and uh, Matt Luck's he's hilarious; it's awesome. He's intense. He's focused. He's good. So it's really, really good. Thank you, Corey, for that. Uh, And just let me just mention quickly that Spotify is the place where you can get us on podcast. Uh, So if you like, you know, hearing us or watching us or wherever you get your podcast, iHeartRadio is another place you can get it. Uh, You can do that and it'll come to you and you can just download it whenever you want. But it's got the weekend program, the daily program, and it's got Beyond the Call, a program designed one-on-one. We take people one-on-one and we interview them and talk about them. Some interesting people about when Jesus Christ became more than just a name to them, and so that's very, very good. That is produced. And directed by Ryan and Brandon. Brandon's directing right now. And Ryan produces. Good job producing that, Ryan. Because you also produced Jim Cantillon's program.
2: Yeah, Jim's a great friend. longtime family friend.
0: He, he's just an yeah. excellent guy. Jim yeah. Cantillon's another program that people probably see. Anyway, uh, so make sure you check that out on the podcast. Now,
3: I'm really glad that I don't have to be tested on all of these things when you're talking about iHeart and Rumble and Spotify
2: because well, there's just I have 80 no ways. Yeah, well, not, it's
3: yeah not, because each each
1: one represents kind of a niche market, right? Yes. People have their different apps and different programs that they yes. like. I'm a YouTube person, so that's where we release the like our weekend show mainly. But there's a lot of there's a lot of Spotify people out there. Yeah, there's I'm a Spotify of- person. <laughs> I there's am. a lot of Rumble people
3: out there. There's yeah. lots of different kinds of. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I just think Tech. it's
3: it's it's so funny because I know there's other people out there too that are that are like me, and we're just hearing these words being thrown <laughs> around and we oh, okay, it doesn't Rumble's make much sense. Yeah. what are you yeah. talking about? Okay, all right. Yep. Anyway, so I'm glad that I don't have to be tested on that. However. However, we are going to take, and if you're a brand new viewer, every Friday we take the readings that we've done in the last six days. We add this day that we're doing here and I will take from those readings, I'll, I'll take a question from the Bible and then I pose it to Ryan and Corey here on the set. But you are more than welcome to join along and play this game to see if you know the answer. And I have a lot of people who will write to me or call me or see me at church or catch me in the store somewhere getting groceries and say, hey, I got the question right this week or oh, I missed the question, can you make them easier? It's a lot of fun. It just tests our skills. It makes us slow down sometimes to read and sometimes you you will be surprised at the fact that you really do know the answer. All right, so all that to get to the question. Here we go. All right, Ryan and Corey, you're going to be put on the spot. According to the Bible, how many men came with Esau to meet with his brother Jacob? According to the Bible, how many men came with Esau to meet with his brother Jacob? They you know the answer. Was that 200 men, 300 men, or 400 men?
0: 200,
3: you know 300, or 400?
2: It always feels good when your answer is <laughs> in the multiple yeah. choice. <laughs> I mean, we were
3: like signaling each other behind the table yeah, what, had, if it, what, what
1: if we it, wasn't it was? If it wasn't, choice.
2: well, that happened the last, the one time he we did. had no idea. And um, we are
1: like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we got it wrong.
2: But in this case, I think we know.
1: I think so
3: too. All right. What are you going to, what are you going to choose? I think the answer is 400. Esau brought 400. The last All one. right. Well, let's read what the Bible says. Genesis 33 verse one says, now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel and the two maid servants. So if you said 400 men, you're absolutely right. Good job and good job at home. If you didn't get it right, that's okay. Next Friday, it'll be a brand new question. And if anybody asks you this one from today, now you know the right answer.
0: You know, it's Spotify or it's iHeartRadio. That's where you can find this program, Bible Discovery. And also we have other programs, Bible Discovery Weekend. It's a great program. And we have a program called Beyond the Call, which is a good one-on-one personal interview. You can get it at the, you get those podcasts at your favorite place to get podcasts. We're there, Bible Discovery. Look for it. Today, let's pray. Father, help us to share the truth of how you changed our lives. Help us not to say too much, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.